For our timely topic today, I want to welcome Adam Howard to the podcast. Adam is a wealth advisor and certified financial planner here at Benedetti Gooser and Associates. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Thank you, Aris. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me. And I just wanted to congratulate you on passing your certified financial planner uh, examination and becoming licensed. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. I know. I know you've you've passed the the CFP as well, and and are a certified financial planner, so you know kind of the grind it, it is to get there. And and I'm I'm very happy to kind of gotten through that, and uh, now have those three magical letters behind my name. So feels great. But today with Adam, we're we're going to be talking about bonds and the role of fixed income in a portfolio. Um, however, before we get into that, we like to start with an icebreaker of sorts. Uh, so I know football season's right around the corner. I know you're a, a football fan yourself, uh, Adam. And so it means tailgates, colder weather, fantasy football, more time on the couch on Saturdays and Sundays, which is my personal favorite. But I guess the the icebreaker is what's your favorite part about football season? My favorite part about football season is being able to spend time with friends and family doing the uh, doing the tailgates. Um, you know, looking oh, yeah. forward to Thursday night football. Um, I love red zone, so just nonstop football action on Sunday, and then I also just love Sunday night and Monday night football. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So basically, every day between Thursday <laughs> yeah. and Monday, yeah, every day. Take Friday off. <laughs> Well, great. Well, great. Excited to to get into the, the football season. Well, let's let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Map Your Money podcast, a production of BGA Teams. We exist to simplify the lives of our clients and listeners and help you lay the course to meet your financial goals. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence of investing. Calls are pre-screened and the show was pre-recorded earlier this week. All right. So like I mentioned at the the head of the show, we're, we're going to be talking about bonds and the role of fixed income in a portfolio. And before I guess we dig into that, I feel like bonds are, are very polarizing. People are either, I love bonds, I love bonds, I love bonds, or why would I ever invest in bonds? Why do I want bonds? It's taking away from my performance. And we kind of want to find that happy medium. And I think that's really, really important. And so before we jump into all of that, I think it's important to talk about fixed income in general. So Adam, what is fixed income? And that's a great question, Ars. So uh, fixed income, it's a debt instrument that's issued by corporations, governments or different entities to help finance and expand their operations. Um, And so what that means is that you as an investor, you would loan money uh, to these entities in turn for a fixed, you know, income or a fixed periodic payment over time, and you would be repaid your principal at the maturity. Yeah, yeah. And so I think a, a good way to think about fixed income is you are the person loaning out that money to a corporation or to the government, and then they have to pay you back with a set interest rate. Correct. So when you take out a mortgage or a car loan or any of these other things, you're on the opposite side of the spectrum. You're the the person taking out that debt. But with fixed income, you're the one loaning out that debt. That's correct. And so 
going to to the main part of of why we're talking about this, what's what's the purpose of investing in fixed income? Yeah, and so there's there's multiple reasons. Um, you know, bonds help complement a portfolio, and what I mean by that is that they act differently than stocks do. So your equity portion um, of the portfolio. So you know, stocks they help with the growth. Uh, stocks do, and some do pay dividends, but stocks are there for the growth, uh, for the appreciation in the account, whereas fixed income is there for the stability of the account. Um, and so building out a portfolio, you want to help and build out different asset classes. And by diversifying that, that includes adding stocks and bonds um, into your portfolio. Um, by doing so, uh, if you have some allocation to fixed income, uh, it will help you know, stabilize the portfolio during different, you know, uh, you know, cycles and periods where the market is volatile. Um, and so you'll see lower all, um, you know, market volatility inside of the account. Um, and that is where uh, the diversification comes from is that, you know, stocks and bonds act differently during different market cycles. Yeah, definitely. And we, we always encourage clients or, or wherever you are, in terms of your portfolio needs, it's all based off of time horizon. I know we've kind of talked about that big picture, mm -hmm. um, but based off of your time horizon, your risk comfort, your risk tolerance, uh, that determines how much exposure we want a client or an individual to have to stocks and to bonds. And so I think this is something that is talked about a lot and I think is kind of finance jargon. Um, but people will say like a 60-40 portfolio or a 40-60 portfolio or a 50-50 portfolio. And so I think it's kind of important to know what that means. And so it's always going to be the stock number first, the percent mm -hmm. of the portfolio. Um, so it's a stocks to bond ratio. So 60-40 is, is talked about a lot, typically talked about for retirees. And that means 60% stocks, 40% bonds. 50-50, obviously half and half. And then 40, 60 is 40% stocks, 60 bonds, and so on and so forth. Yeah. You can have any mix getting you to 100. Um, but I think that that's kind of finance jargon that not everyone knows about. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you mentioned kind of some of the reasons to invest in fixed income. Uh, how, how do you get that fixed income exposure? So you can um, you know, get it by a few different methods. So you can actually buy individual bonds. Um, you know, whether they're corporate bonds, you can buy, um, you know, you know, you can buy government bonds, so like treasuries, for example, uh, you can also buy uh, fixed income through mutual funds. So um, just on a high level, you know, a mutual fund and an exchange traded fund, uh, they invest in a basket of securities. So within those, you can get diversification from having a few different funds instead of buying multiple individual uh, bonds. Um, but you can also um, acquire uh, fixed income through what's called a bond ladder. So you can build out like your own fund, so to speak, with the individual bonds. So just to recap, you have individuals and then you can buy it through mutual funds and exchange traded funds. Yeah, so I want to kind of go into some of those pieces a, a little bit more. So first you mentioned corporate versus government bonds. Yep. Uh, so I guess what's the difference in the trade-off in being a debtor to a corporation versus to the government. Yeah. So I'd like to start just high level. So it comes back to um, when you are loaning money to these corporations, um, you know, each, each entity has its own credit rating. And so corporations have a different credit rating scale versus, um, you know, other companies. So you have what are called investment grade, and then you have, um, you know, junk bonds or high yield. 
Um, and then it's the same for the government. Um, you know, they have a different credit rating for each of their bonds. Um, typically, the government has the you know safest uh, when it comes to the credit and the highest credit rating because it's backed by the full faith and credit of our government. Um, but looking um, at the bonds when it comes to the different ones with the you know investment grade or the high yield, typically uh, your high yield or junk bonds um, they are a little more risky because the company you know has. Uh, a potential of not paying back that debt or defaulting on that debt. And so for that, for that additional risk, they would pay you a higher interest rate. So you would get higher payments um, on that. And so for the more favorable credit rating, so your investment grade, they would have a lower uh, coupon or a lower investment or sorry, interest rate on that uh, particular piece of paper. Yeah. So investment grade typically means safer, uh, but also comes with a lower yield, correct, uh, or or rate, um, and then junk or high yield is as it sounds, is it has a higher yield, but has has more risk. And so with those those corporate bonds, typically that's where you can find some higher yields than maybe government bonds. But it all depends on the type of company you're loaning out to. If you're loaning out to a company that's rocking and rolling, has a ton of cash on hand, Apple, for example, is one of the safest companies uh, to to loan to, mm-hmm. um, you're you're going to get a a lower yield because the likelihood of you getting paid back is very 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 high. Yep. However, if you're loaning to some small and mom and pop shop down the corner, that might be a public company. Your your rate you're getting on that loan is going to be much much higher. Think about it. If I'm loaning money to my friend who's starting a business, I'm going to require a much higher rate of return because the chance that this business fails is much higher than if I loan that money to Apple or to the government per se. Correct. Yeah. And you know, that's the opportunity cost when it comes to the risk versus reward side of the market. And that includes stocks as well. So, um, and the same goes for fixed income. Definitely. Definitely. And the other, the other point I wanted to make, uh, was you mentioned a bond ladder. So what what is a bond ladder? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so a bond ladder. Um, and so going back to what we first talked about with, you know, why would you want to, you know, buy uh, a bond or buy fixed income? Uh, diversification is what stands out most. Um, and so a bond ladder, you can actually diversify your exposure when it comes to fixed income by buying different maturity years and then buying different company bonds. And you can buy companies that are, are in different, sectors of the economy as well to help diversify. So that also goes into play with inside fixed income itself. So um, a bond ladder, uh, what it means is that uh, you would build out a fixed income portfolio. So let's say that you were, I'll just use a 50-50 allocation. So if you had a $100,000 portfolio, you had 50,000 in stock and 50,000 in bonds. A bond ladder, you would take the 50000 going into fixed income, and you would allocate a certain percentage to your shorter-term bonds, to your intermediate, um, and then the longer-term bonds. And so you would stagger them so that you would have bonds coming due every year. Um, and that really helps out, especially those that are in retirement, uh, because you can see how much money is coming due every year, whether they need it for cash needs or you can you know, use that to reinvest back into the market. Uh, bond ladders are a good way of knowing exactly what you own and what's coming due that year. And depending upon the market, you have opportunities to use the money when when your fixed income matures and you get back your principal. You have opportunities potentially to buy into stocks if the market is is depressed. Uh, you could you know 
buy other bonds if you need more fixed income. And with interest rates changing, um, you know, you can help capitalize it if interest rates you know, were to increase, you have a bond mature, you could reinvest it out into your ladder and you could, you know, potentially capitalize on the higher interest rate because of wherever the rates are at the time. So um, ultimately it's that, you know, you have maturities coming due every year um, and it helps plan, like I said, for different, you know, opportunities, whether it's cash needs or just for reinvestment purposes for rebalancing. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think bond ladders are, are very, very important, especially like you mentioned, uh, in a retiree's portfolio, because they have this need for money um, from their investment portfolio. Uh, and so I think a good way to think of a bond ladder, the way you mentioned, is much more realistic in terms of what it looks like in a portfolio, you have short term, you have intermediate and you have long term. Um, but I think conceptually, the same topic works if you just kind of think about it. It's, this is still considered a bond ladder, but if you just think about it over a 10-year time horizon, I think this is a very easy conceptual way to think about it. So with the 10-year time horizon, you would have, and you're trying to create a bond ladder, you would have a one, the first rung of the ladder would be a one-year maturity. Correct. The second would be a two-year, and a three-year, and a four-year, and so on and so forth. Correct. Let's say it's a year later. That first bond has matured. You got back the money you put into it plus the interest. Then you say, hey, do I have a need for this? Let's say it's a thousand bucks. Do I have a need for this a thousand dollars? Maybe you do. You take it out. You use that for your needs. Maybe you don't. Then you then put it to the next rung of the ladder, which would be that 11th year um, or 10 years from that point. That's and then that just continues to cycle over and over and over. Um, and so you continue to reinvest at different interest rates. Like you mentioned, it's kind of a hedge for changing interest rates. And so if interest rates are increasing each year, you're getting the benefit of those increasing interest rates. And if interest rates are decreasing, uh, sure, the rate that you're investing in is going to be lower, but you're kind of hedging your bet. You're not putting all of it in at that rate. Correct. Um, you're, you're going to have more mature in the future. So I think they're, they're, have a, a great utility in retirement and in different situations where you uh, need need this money. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I know that you know you and I we get a lot of the questions of you know why would I buy a longer term bond, you know you know especially with rates being higher now. And the fact is is that you know we want to have exposure to the entire bond market, and what I mean by that is to different maturity years because. Uh, it helps to hedge and it helps to mitigate potential risk, um, you know, in the future. Uh, and so we don't want to put all of our clients, you know, uh, money and fixed income in the longer term. We want to spread it out through shorter term as well as intermediate and long term. Uh, and that's because if, for example, you have maturing bonds and you did not have any exposure to long term bonds to lock in the rates at those times, if the rates do go down, then at that point, when you know, if you want to invest and then have an allocation to some longer term exposure on bonds, the rates would be lower. But if you would have had some mm -hmm. allocation to it, you would have locked in. And depending upon your goals, longer term, you know, we hope that you know the the overall um, you know yield on those bonds for your entire bond uh, portfolio will will average out to roughly around like the ten year. Exactly, um, and so. I guess before we move on, I want to talk about the efficient frontier and just here in just a second. But are there any other opportunities 
that fixed income or, or bonds provide for someone in their portfolio? Yes. And so I'm glad that you asked. So when it comes to building out a diversified portfolio, um, you know, like I mentioned, we use and stocks are used in clients' accounts to help build the growth within the portfolio. And so in order to properly rebalance and to you know, just capitalize on the growth, you want to rebalance over time. And what that means is that you would like to take the growth of a certain stock or a certain stock fund when it's over its you know target value that you have within the account. And you want to trim the profit and you want to reallocate it somewhere else. And so by doing that, you can, in a lot of cases, take profit off the table from a stock or a stock fund that has you know grown in value, you can take that profit and you can move it to the safer side of the portfolio into fixed income. Um, and you know, one thing that I like to say is that you know bonds are not flashy. Um, you know, they're not flashy by any means, but they serve a purpose of helping to preserve the value in the account. Um, and especially if you hold the fixed income till it matures, you know, it has a good you know, uh, nature of just preserving the value of the asset. So the opportunities is that you can rebalance and take profit off the table that the stocks have gained um, and then rebalance it to fixed income. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, we could do a whole episode on rebalancing. So yes. I'm going to try not to go <laughs> super into the weeds here, um, but you can rebalance within your equity portion, rebalance and just your, your bond portion. But I think high level kind of the, the point of, what we're trying to talk about here with fixed income is if you say, look at a 60-40 portfolio, so 60% stock, 40% bond, in the scenario you mentioned, stocks go up. Um, And so your portfolio would not be 60-40 if there was a big appreciation Mm -hmm. in stocks. Maybe you're getting closer to 70% stocks, 30% bonds. And so this is something that, that we do at our firm. And uh, a lot of good investment advisors do as well as we look to rebalance that portfolio. We would want you to get back to 60-40 because that's what we think is most appropriate for your time horizon, your risk comfort. And it gives us the opportunity to sell a lot of those stocks at those big gains that we had, um, capture that gain, capture that profit and rebalance into the bond side. Yes. Um, the, big, the big caveat there is in a taxable account um, we don't want you to or our clients to have big capital gains, um, but it works vice versa as well. We can capture those losses and, and use those offsetting. So it's all kind of different pieces of the puzzle. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, I could talk about rebalancing for for a whole episode and maybe something we do here here shortly. But um, I think all of that that was very good information. Um, and so I know we talked about all this this great stuff about bonds, and so. I guess for a listener, they, they might be thinking, oh, let me move my whole portfolio into 100% bonds. Um, and so, Adam, do you want to talk about the efficient frontier and why it explains that 100% bonds is actually not a good idea at all? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the efficient frontier, so what it explains is it shows the importance of having a um, a diversified portfolio with a mix of stocks and bonds. And so, you know, one would say, oh, well, if fixed income is, is, you know, very stable and it's safe, you know, why wouldn't I just put all my money in there? And, you know, that just has to do with um, the main fact is that your fixed income isn't there for, for growth and appreciation. It is there for the preservation um, you know, of the assets. So uh, it wouldn't be able to keep up with inflation. And, um, you know, long-term, if you look, um, it, is, it has historically shown that having a 100% 
um, you know, fixed income portfolio actually takes on about the same amount of risk as if you had a 75% uh, allocation to bonds and 25% to stock. So, um, and I'll repeat that again. So uh, historically over time, a portfolio in 100% fixed income has shown to have the same amount of risk as a portfolio that had 75% in fixed income and a 25% allocation to stock. And so what that is saying um, is that, you know, having some allocation to both stocks and bonds is beneficial, um, you know, for an account. Now, Obviously, that's not true for everybody, depending upon, you know, you know, psychologically how they feel, um, emotionally how they feel or, you know, different like events that have happened in the past with investing. But historically, it shows having multiple asset classes such as stocks and bonds within, a, um, you know, within an account or a portfolio helps long term mitigate risk and overall uh, growth long term uh, with the average returns in the account. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. And, and with the efficient frontier, what we're looking at here is. The x-axis or, or that bottom line is uh, the amount of risk that you're taking on and the y-axis is the amount of return. And when we're looking at an investment, that those are the two most important things that, that you're looking at. How much risk is this going to take versus how much reward am I getting? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and do those match up? And so I, I think that point that you made, they are very close between 100% bonds versus a 25-75 portfolio, but it's actually remarkable that the 25% in stocks and 75% in bonds is actually slightly less risky Correct. than the 100% in bonds, but gives you, according to this, an extra 0.6% return. Yes. Um, which is in, uh, incredible and seems like a no-brainer. Um, so at the minimum, you'd want to, to just increase that to 25% stocks. And I think another really important point before we, we let you go is that importance of inflation and keeping up with inflation. And if you have too much in bonds, you're, you're probably not going to be able to do that. And over time, that money that you're taking out isn't going to keep up with inflation um, and your portfolio isn't either. So you'll quickly be declining in value in terms of your real return. Mm -hmm. Sure, the numbers might be going up on paper by three or by one to two to three percent, but if inflation is at four or five percent, you're losing that one to two percent each year in terms of real value, which is really, really important. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Adam. I'm sure we're going to have you on here shortly again. Uh, it was great to to hear from you, uh, and I guess good luck with the the football season in in your Jaguars. Thank you. You too. <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks, ours. All information provided through this presentation is for educational purposes only and does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice. It is not an offer to buy or sell any security or any insurance product. This is not an endorsement of any third party or such third party's views. The information contained herein has been obtained from sources we believe to be reliable and is not guaranteed as to its accuracy or completeness. Whenever there are references to third-party content, this information is intended to provide additional perspective and should not be construed as an endorsement of any services, products, guidance, individuals, or points of view outside Benedetti, Gooser & Associates, and Beam Wealth Advisors. All examples are hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only. Benedetti, Gooser & Associates, and Beam Wealth Advisors 
do not offer tax or legal advice. Interested parties are strongly encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax and or legal experts regarding the best options for your particular circumstances.